Good evening. Good foggy evening, huh? Let's see how much more fog we can have in the morning. That's, we get this fog whenever people come from Michigan. They come, we greet them. <laughs> you guys don't get fog like this up there, do you? Cold air, cold Michigan air mixing with the warm air. They brought it here with that. They brought that cold air with oh, to the warm air, and and this is what you get. That's hot air. Especially up front there. Is that right? Degrees as we get the first Keep you keep going down to Florida, and it would probably be an ice age down there or something. <laughs> Let's see. This is Johnny and Frida. Happens to be uh, Penny's brother. Brother, yeah. <laughs> okay, sister-in-law and her husband. <laughs> anyway. Hey, it's good to have you guys. Really. Quite a pleasure to have you. And then we have a guy coming from Oklahoma. <laughs> been been recording. You didn't record, but you helped him. And they don't even let you jam with him or anything. It's, he, he does everything for them, drives them everywhere, provides them equipment and everything, and they won't let him play. Yeah, they, won't I mean, they won't even pay for my Taco Bell. Oh, man. <laughs> but they bought my peanut butter. <laughs> the yeah, peanut, they bought your peanut butter. That's pretty good. Yeah, feel the love. And then we have uh, Rachel all the way from Tipton. Close to Tipton. Close to Tipton. You realize you didn't call her the right name, right? Oh, yeah. Rebecca. Rebecca. You know, I cringe every time I say it's, I always start with the R and it's not it's not the R A, it's right. Okay. This is why this is why I have my son close to me all the time. He needs to take care of me. For the rest of uh my life you will have to be hanging around everywhere I go. Maybe he'll buy you a peanut Anyway, I want to tell you, whenever I turn there, uh, we're actually going to be in, a, in the book of Ephesians here, but in um, this Ephesians section is one of the most sublime passages of all of Scripture. One of the greatest passages, I think, as far as God's plan is, His eternal plan, the before the foundation of the world. Uh, what God uh, planned out is just uh, truly a wonder. And uh, whenever we think of being in that section, it's like, I'd like to camp out there for a while. <laughs> we didn't quite finish last week's uh, outline. We were going to do verse 2 and 3, and we're right at the tail end of it. And then we'll move into chapter uh, or 1, verse 4, uh, which is this, which is the outline that you have in your hand there. Charles Spurgeon... Um, said this about what uh, God did in His great glory. In the very beginning, when this great universe lay in the mind of God, like unborn forest in the acorn cup, long ere the echoes awoke the solitudes, before the mountains were brought forth, and long ere the light flashed through the sky, God loved His chosen creatures. Before there was any created being, when the ether was not fanned by an angel's wing, when space itself had not an existence, when there was nothing except God alone, even then in that loneliness of deity and in that deep quiet and profundity, his bowels moved with love for his chosen. Their names were written on his heart, and then were they dear to his soul. Jesus loved his people before the foundation of the world, even from eternity. And when he called me by his grace, he said to me, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. A lot of sweet words there by C.H. Spurgeon, but he was talking about God loved us long before he ever even created this world as we know it. He had us in his mind. In his heart, his bowels moved with love. Don't you like that, by Spurgeon? <laughs> From the very deep recesses of his of his feeling for us, emotion for us, wonder and worship there. Anyway, um, let's read verse three and verse four of chapter one. 
Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Let's pray. Father, we thank You, You being the eternal God. We thank You for this great plan that You've had, the plan of the ages, the plan of throughout all of eternity that is beyond our thinking, and yet You have chosen to reveal some of that plan to us. And we thank You for letting us be in on it and just giving us such a blessing. And as we... Uh, study about the you being the blessed God and the one who blesses. We thank you. And uh, as we look at uh, your revelation and your scripture here, we pray that your Holy Spirit will just, uh, we will allow him to guide us into what your truth is and to know you just a little better. In Jesus' name, amen. Verse 3. We were talking about God is the, the blessed one, but He is the blesser. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. We were kind of uh, in that area last week. Uh, those blessings that He's talking about here, every spiritual blessing, ultimately it, it can have maybe some, you know, it's talking about spiritual blessings, obviously, not necessarily physical blessings. But um, the spiritual blessings here come from the Holy Spirit Himself. And as uh, I think it's pertaining to and belonging to the Holy Spirit, particularly what He has in mind here would be the blessings such as what's found in verse 4 where He talks about election, uh, verse 5 where He talks about adoption, obviously grace, uh, he will uh, keep talking about redemption, forgiveness, knowledge, all that on through to verse 14. We have one sentence from verse 3 through 14 there set up in the Greek. And we see that there's an inheritance that we have, there's the sealing of the Spirit, and all of these are in those subsequent verses. These are the gifts. These are the blessings that God has given. This is just incredible. It just expands and just keeps blowing up more and more as we go through the rest of this section and uh, quite uh, the element of blessing that we have spiritual blessings that is um, that's something to kind of ponder on a little bit isn't it all spiritual blessings every spiritual blessing um, the word there spiritual is pneumatikos and you think of pneuma you think of air right pneuma spirit pneumatic tires Pneuma, that comes from the Greek word. Um, this is referring to the work of the Holy Spirit. The blessings that we get come from the Father, through the Son, via, via the Son, all, via the Holy Spirit, and uh, through Christ. Romans 5 talks about Him giving us love. He sheds abroad His love in our hearts. Romans 5.5 5. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by who? The Holy Spirit who was given to us. So we get the love of God via the Holy Spirit. It's, it's mediated to us from God through Christ via the Holy Spirit. So the whole Trinity is involved in uh, that whole process of these blessings. Salvation, the Trinity is involved. And by the way, if you have your Trinity glasses on, that's what you will see throughout this whole section. Now, this is not too obvious in verse 3 when he talks about spiritual blessing, but we know the Holy Spirit is the one who's going to convey those blessings to us. But as we get to near the end of this section, verse 13 and verse 14, it's about the Holy Spirit and we're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He's our guarantee uh, of this inheritance and this redemption. So we've already seen the Father here listed in verse 1. We've seen the Son. Uh, uh, yeah, God, Christ in verse 1. 
again in verse 2, you have God the Father, Lord Jesus Christ. And here in verse 3, we have God the Father, we have Lord Jesus Christ. And now we're getting the Holy Spirit coming into play here in, in what He does. And of course, we have the fruit of the Spirit that shows forth in our lives. That's the blessings that He's given us inwardly and we show those outwardly. The Spirit grants us the grace. The Spirit grants us the love. So He has a huge part to play in all of this. So, everything spiritual? Um, just thinking. Where are those blessings at, as stated here in verse 3? Every spiritual blessing where? In the heavenly places. In the heavenly places. Well, where's the heavenly places? That means we don't have them yet? Where's the heavenly places? Uh, well, let's see. Heavenly places can mean a lot of different places, actually. Uh, let's stay in Ephesians just for a moment. Go to... Uh, I've got them right up here. Chapter 1, verse 20. This is speaking about... Uh, the working of His mighty power in verse 19, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. That's the abode of God there, isn't it? Sitting at the right hand. So that would be one aspect here in the heavenlies. Uh, exaltation of Christ. Stay in Ephesians. Go to chapter 2, verse 6. And He raised us up together. Not only did He raise Christ out from the dead and raised Him to sit in the heavenly places, but look at this, and raised us up together and made us sit together where? In the heavenly places. What's the qualifier? Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So the heavenly places now, not only where Christ went at bodily, but also we see that it's dealing with us and we are in heavenly places too. Even now, as we sit here, as we walk around here on this earth, there is, in that sense, we are in the heavenly places in Christ. You know, it's a spiritual matter there, but um, that's one of the, uh, the thoughts there. Go to chapter 3, verse 10. Again, you'll get the uh, same kind of phrasing. Speaking about this mystery, this mystery of the ages, to the intent that now the manifold, many-colored, multicolored wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in the heavenly places. Where's that? Out there in the the heavens. As a matter of fact, you think of the third heaven where God resides. Then you have a second heaven which would be out in the, all over the, the universe. And we know it's, there it's talking about the principalities and powers, which would be who? Angels. Even demons. So through the church, the angels know the wisdom of God. Is that what that says? There, yeah, we, we make it known... And how what God is working, and they, you know, they don't, they don't have everything fully revealed. So God is using the church, in 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 one sense of making known more what His glory is. The body of Christ is is a mystery. Ephesians five talks about that, and here it's being revealed, and He's making it known by the church to them in the heavenly places. What an incredible thing it is that He's using us. Whoever the rulers and the authorities are there have never experienced the grace of God. They know nothing about the grace of God. And the church teaches them what God's grace is. Wow. And these are these are the the power guys. <laughs> but the rulers of them, the authorities. And that's according to the eternal purpose which He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's plan. He has allowed us to be in on this. It reminds me of in, in, a, in Ephesians 1, where it says, verse 9, "...having made known to us the mystery of His will, according to His good pleasure, which He purposed in Himself." 
He's made known His mystery of uh, His His very will to us. And that's why I say this. I cannot do this justice. First of all, I, I feel very inadequate in dealing with this. But I feel very blessed in being able to read it and then just kind of discuss about it. How much of this can we really go into? I mean, how deep is this? This is the plan of the ages, but He has made known this to us. It's just, uh, what a, is that a blessing or what? We're getting in on this. Most of the rest of the world and all of the heavenly places that have the authorities and such don't know all of these things. Ugh. Incredible. So anyway, the heavenly realms doesn't necessarily talk about a physical location, but it's talking about a spiritual reality. In one way, in one sense, we're already in the spiritual realm. We are citizens of heaven. We're citizens here on earth. We have dual citizenship, but I rather prefer my citizenship in heaven much better because that is eternal, that's lasting, and we know what's going to um, wind up there. And uh, we, we have a fair, uh, I think, a uh, fair amount of knowledge to be able to uh, see what God has brought forth here. Um, so anyway, the heavenly places, uh, if you think about it, you go to Colossians 3.1. It says, if then you were raised with Christ, reminds you of Romans 6, raised up from the dead, out of our deadness and sin, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Do it now, even. Now, there is something to come later. There is the kingdom now. There is the kingdom that is yet to come. We look forward to that. But even now, we are to be seeking those. It goes on to say in verse 2, Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then it goes in the future tense, then you also will appear with Him in glory. You will be glorified. But right now, you're here on earth. <laughs> At the same time, be thinking that you are sitting in the heavenly places. Incredible thought. Philippians, or no, uh, Stone Colossians. Go to chapter 3. No, no, no. 2. 2 verse 3. Um, kind of a prayer being said uh, that their hearts would be encouraged and that to know the riches and the full assurance of understanding, the knowledge, the mystery of God, both of the Father and Christ. Here's verse 3. All those treasures in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. We are in Christ, and then we see where everything is all at. Why be so consumed with what all the things that the world has to offer when God has everything that's eternal that will never evaporate or die out? There's Kobe. How we do, Kobe? Good to see you. <laughs> We're sitting in the heavenly places. Glad you could join us in the heavenly places. <laughs> you came from a heavenly place, though, too. I'm just saying, it's a spiritual realm that we all are in. But it's nice when God's people get together and discuss these things. Kind of, uh, kind of adds to it. So anyway, there is the thought. What about that dual citizenship? Turn to Philippians 3, verse 20. The heavenly places. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly await for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we're citizens there. We're not there physically, but we know that He's going to come back. By the way, when He does come back, He's going to transform this body. And it's going to be conformed to His body, His glorious body. Quite a thought. So, when we know what's going to happen in the future, it just gets you more excited to be able to live the life here on earth and be thinking, hey, I know he's going to come back. And I know I'm going to see him. And I'll be like him. So there's the here, there's the now, there's the setting your affections on the things above. We have a foretaste of something much, much better to come. And that's 
that's kind of the, the thought here in the, in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And it says He's already done this. He has blessed us. We just don't know what all is under the hood yet. <laughs> there you go, Johnny. All that power that's there. We haven't really seen what this can really do. Now, where were you in Philippians? Philippians 3.20. About dual citizenship, right? Now, the reason that we can do that, and the last phrase there in verse 3 is, in Christ. In Christ. We have union in Christ. That is why we are qualified to have all the blessings, and then later on we'll see we're adopted in the family, that we, like in Romans chapter 8, it talks about we are um, co-inheritors with the Son, Jesus Christ, all that He owns is what we have. I I don't get it. But uh, we get to be in on this. And it's this this Paul, I think, as he develops this um, whole section in, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, how can he not be praising the Lord? And after he gets done with verse 14, he goes into a prayer that everybody would understand what he was talking about. That they would have a spiritual wisdom and, uh, and know and, and that their eyes would be enlightened. Some of these things that we pick up in here, uh, there, you will not get it anywhere else but Scripture. You're not going to hear this uh, on TV or radio or the things of the world. You're not going to get it on the nightly news and all the things that they have to offer and all the, the television shows and the movies and the music and the entertainment and all the things the whole world has to offer. It can never offer what this is, which is eternal. Now, verse 4. This is the great verse. I wish I could handle this the way that I'd really like to but I'll fall short, but let God's Spirit, <laughs> let Him uh, expound upon this Word here. Uh, I'll just try to steer us into uh, a little bit of just some high thinking here. This, uh, this, is, this is something. This is high. It's deep. Verse 4. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, why? That we should be holy, without blame, before Him in love. Holy and without blame before God Almighty, the Holy God, the Creator, and that we would be blameless before Him. Okay, this is a section, starting in verse 4 now, that begins to explain how all those spiritual blessings in the heavenly places become ours. How does it happen? The previous verse was just fantastic. Verse 3, wasn't it? Blessed be God. It starts with God. Everything starts with God. Everything's all about God. It doesn't start with us. He didn't start with our blessings and then move to God then after that. That's how often I think the the Christian thinks and mankind thinks. I think of man first, myself, but it never starts that way. The Bible doesn't start that way. The Gospel doesn't start that way. Right in here, it stays consistent. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Right perspective there, isn't it? The previous verse was just so awesome, but we're here on earth. Heavenly places. And we've seen what heavenly places is. and it, you know we're, we're seated there now, but we battle with sin. We still struggle with it. Sometimes we don't feel like we have those spiritual blessings. I don't see them. I don't feel them. I don't taste them. I mean, you know, there's, there's just nothing here that seems that way. How, so how are we connected with these treasures of grace? How are we connected? Paul is going to show what God has already done in order that we would be connected with those treasures. You've heard of the national treasure? Nothing. By the way, I like what Piper said about that... Uh, I guess it's a fantastically awesome as far as technology goes. The the movie that's out there, you guys have probably heard of. I don't know how many have seen it, um, but Avatar. And you know what John Piper said? Avatar is boring compared to the Bible. I mean, it it can't even get close. It can't even hold a candle. All the great technology. 
Avatar is nothing. It's boring. Now, the do you guys have a, a word as such as a, a according to in verse four? Mine starts out with just as. Is it NAS according there? What is it? Just as. Okay. Yeah, ESV is even as. Even as. Okay. According. Okay. Yeah, that's where it comes from. Okay. Okay, these blessings are according as, or just as, before the foundation of the world. That's where it started. That's where we were, first of all, chosen. Our position doesn't depend on what we do right here. And this why this verse is so key. It's all about God, just as He chose. It's not primarily even upon... Now, don't think I'm saying something heretically here. I want you to hold on for a moment. It's not even primarily upon the action of the Son at the cross, even though that is the heart of the whole matter. Okay? Hold on. It doesn't even start at the cross. It doesn't start with my salvation whenever I trusted in Christ. It doesn't start there, does it? It doesn't even start at the cross. It's going to start all the way back before there was any universe, any creation. That's where it starts. Because that's what verse 4 is saying. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, before anything happened there. Um, What He did is that He had His Son. He gave His people whom He had chosen to His Son in order that the Son would redeem them and He would do everything that was to be done, that was necessary for them to be reconciled. We dealt with that last week. To be reconciled with Himself. The Son came into the world and He accomplished His work. He did it for all the ones who had been chosen. And so that atoning work is for the ones that were chosen beforehand. And they had been given to the Son by the Father. And He accomplished the work. That all was planned out. We didn't have anything to do with that. Because we weren't living here at that time. And that's why this verse is so key just as He chose us in Him before foundation. What's the method? How does He do it? What's the method? The method is, according to your sheets there, election. What is it that first leads anyone to being a Christian? What is it? Some would say, well, God sent somebody to me to preach the gospel. Yeah, that's true. But what is it that really led me to be a Christian? Well, I heard the gospel. I believed it. I repented. I had faith. Yeah. But what was it that led you to being that Christian? All all of those things you said, you mentioned I. Uh Aha. Yes, I did that. And that's not the central issue. We like to think so sometimes, don't we? That's that's it in a nutshell. It's not about I. It's not I. And it's not because people accept. See, there it is. We do something. Accept God. We make a decision. I make a decision, right? How often have we heard that all throughout our um, time as being a Christian or before we were a Christian or in church or Sunday school about accepting and... and um, making a decision for Christ, it doesn't start there. Now, we we do, in a sense, say yes, don't we? We do trust in Christ. But that's, why do we? That's the whole issue. Why would we do that? It's not in our nature to do that. We were dead. <laughs> yeah, we were dead, which Ephesians 2. Dead men don't make decisions. That's right. Kick them all you want. <laughs> Give them smelling sauce. <laughs> but they can't do that, can they? There are there are times when we've heard people stand up, give a testimony, and a testimony can be really good. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with testimonies. 
they're, they're baptized, they join a church, they, they come to the Lord's table, they, they talk about their testimony. Usually it can be very fascinating. Uh, it can be a sermon in themselves. But our point here is that everyone that, that confesses Christ and becomes baptized should read the testimony of Paul. Because Paul is not saying I there. Paul is saying what God did. The testimony is, it needs to go back further than, than I. Um, he, he, Paul never says, when I decided to give God a chance. <laughs> Have you ever heard of that one before? Or, when I opened my heart and Jesus came into it. Now, that's, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? You notice I'm saying the same thing that, that Eldon was saying. What's the problem here? We're starting with I. When I open my heart, that's the way people speak today. It is wrong. That's not where it starts. They don't go back to the creation of the world and before that, but they, it's about themselves. But God worked with a, an eternal plan and is focusing on Him, and He gets the glory. Um, Paul didn't say, hey, I had the courage to make the all-important decision to accept Christ. Did we ever see that? Yeah, Bob. Oh, just as a write on what you're talking about there, Condor was sharing with me uh, Paul's conversion described in his uh, curriculum that we have him going through, which is Armenian. (laughs) And right in there it said, and Paul decided to receive Christ. Oh, it did. That, yeah. Where did they get that's, that out that's of? That's their commentary on the scripture. And that's when Paul decided. Wow. Paul decided. Yeah. Yeah, he was. He was blind. He didn't even know what was going on. Like, Lord, uh, what choice you? did he have? Uh, in, in our account, in Acts 9, if we would to read through there, he wasn't looking for that to happen. He didn't want that to happen. Yeah. So I, I yeah. guess the point there is that there's still that I thing coming through in some ways people are being taught. Yep. You know, even though the scripture doesn't doesn't uh, have that. It didn't really exalt God there, did it? Don't don't come down too hard on them though, because that was my testimony for twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was mine. <laughs> You betcha. There was a lovely song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. I changed the words to that. It's been decided I'll follow Jesus. Yeah, it's first verse and second verse, just in case there's some Armenians in the house that need to, you know, hear that first and then, you know. Well, there's a, uh, there's a Reformed pastor up around Columbia. He's in his 80s, I think, now. And um, he brought me a song that was that he changed the lyrics around, and um, but it's almost almost to that. But it was the same tune and everything. I go, that's really neat. Uh, yeah. Let me make another observation here, or something I see. Uh, in verse three, he says he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heaven heavenly places, and in exactly the same manner, or just as he chose it. Just as refers back to what he had done in verse 3. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. So the blessings, he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing, and in the same manner, he chose us before the foundation of the world. (laughs) Well, in this world, they don't look like blessings a lot of times. Yeah. Well, you know, you... um, you think of the tabernacle in the Old Testament, and they use these animal skins, and they put it on on the uh, the outside. You know, you look in there, you got a fence. You really can't see what's in there, and the priests go in there for you, so you can't even go into the tabernacle proper. And of course, in there, you started seeing some uh, things that was part of the worship. But then there was the Holy of Holies, which represented the presence of God, and there you have the what the uh, that the altar of incense, and then you go a little in further into the holy of holies, and you have the gold. I mean, representing beauty. 
But on the outside, you just see these animal skins. And nothing is really fantastic looking there. But the blessings are on the inside where, where God is. And, um, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing. We, we, we need to keep searching Him out. We don't see these things a lot of times. But there's where faith comes in. And uh, one of these days we'll experience them in a much bigger than what we do now. But we have them now. We know there are some many blessings that we, we there's no way we can use them in in the way that this world is and in our bodies the way that they ultimately will be. But uh, yes, we are are blessed in so many ways, and that's what we're to be opening up to as the prayer says in here of all the knowledge that uh, He's given us. But uh, there will always be people say, yeah, but, uh, hey, I, I believed in Christ, and uh, I repented of my sin, and uh, I saw Him as my Lord and Savior. And, you know, you can say, of course you did. Yeah, that, and, and that is good. It's, it's God's grace that enabled you to do that, though. It wasn't because you were better than somebody or you were smarter than somebody, but it was because God's grace came there. And predestination actually does not take away our liberty. What it does, it it gives us the way now that we can choose freely. Whenever He sets us free from the bondage of sin, now we can choose freely that we want to follow Christ. He's put that in in our hearts, and I think we'll we'll know afterwards uh, as we as one becomes a Christian. Let's say that we could. Uh, um, that that's what we'd want. We wouldn't want anything else. Thank the Lord that He changed my will. <laughs> okay, but what we're saying there, okay, it's not because people accept God or make a decision. It doesn't start there, although that that plays a, a role. And it's not even the work of the work of Christ on the cross, even though that plays a key role. And it's the whole central crux. That's the focal point. But you think that that's where it would take place, but it's not there as far as time and space and matter is concerned the third one is this it's according to the text he chose us Paul goes all the way back to eternity it's done by God the Father the Bible always starts with God never starts with man and the ones who enjoy the spiritual blessings and that's all his believers the ones who do that they're in heavenly places in Christ they do so because they've been chosen by God to do that. All blessings come from that very fountain. Now, there's there's two possible ex, uh, explanations that can be said about salvation we've kind of covered here. First of all, it's to believe what is said right here, to believe we're chosen by God simply for His own good pleasure, which as you keep on reading, you'll see that that's what this is about. It... Uh, it's in spite of ourselves. As we were dead, we were enemies, we were aliens, we were haters of God. And we come back to Ephesians 1.4 and we see that it's explicitly put forth. Uh, our own personal confession of faith, I think, would have to look at this biblical truth of election and uh, correlate along with that. Before the creation of the universe, God thought of me. I think that's where a good testimony will start. He fixed His gaze on me and chose me for Himself. He didn't choose me because I was already in Christ of my own doing, but that I would be in Christ. He didn't choose me because He saw me as a believer, but so that I would become a believer. He did not choose me because I chose Him, but so that I might choose Him. And He didn't choose me because I was holy or good, but that I might become holy and good. Everything I am, everything that I hope to be is rooted in God freely choosing me. My faith, my hope, my work... That's not the ground of election. It's only the effect of that election. The ground is, is Him. Uh, the, there's no ground for boasting, is there, whatsoever? 
And so now we can boast 100% in God and what He did. Who shall bring any charge against the Lord's elect? And you think of that in Romans chapter 8. Look what He's done. All the way up, He's done everything from um, choosing us to saving us. The work of the cross was done. And then whenever time and space came, we were born, He put it in us. He regenerated us so that we wanted to follow Him. And then He takes it all the way on through eternity. Uh, what a plan that God has. And I think... Uh, uh, I think of First Corinthians one. Not many mighty, not many noble, and you, you know how that goes there. If you keep following that on up to about verse thirty, First Corinthians one, twenty-seven, uh, verse twenty-six is a good place. Uh, it's it's something to consider. For you see your calling, brethren. Consider this, brethren. Then not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that as it is written, He who glories, let him glory in the Lord. We can't say I at all, can we? Wow. It's all God's doing. Entirely His doing. This glorious, unshakable, objective foundation that we have here, you being a Christian, is because God chose you to be one. It's all God. Tremendous peace, I think, what that brings us. I think it brings a tremendous confidence because our feelings go up and down, but yet we can look at Scripture and say, but look what He did. Ah. One other comment. I get lost in the us. Here, us. That's 15 of us here in this room. Us is uh, a couple of thousand of us in Jefferson City. And I get I get lost in that uh, as an insignificant uh, dot somewhere in all this us. I've always read this. As shows Ellen Pippen. Before the for the foundation of the world to come into his kingdom on September 6, 1965 at 10.30 in the morning. It was that detail that he knew me as an individual and selected me. I was chosen by him before the foundation of the world that on that specific date, at that specific time, I would come into the kingdom. That's awesome. Well, you other people can figure out your own. Birthday? Birthday? You know, I've even pondered yeah. this, though, that that's maybe in your mind when you were made aware of that, but that that's, you know, and that's significant. You know, we it's good for us to have a, you know, a, a, an event or an experience or whatever, but as far as we don't, or maybe the things we don't know, that might not even really be when you came to the kingdom. I mean, but in your mind it is. Well, it's when God you know, first made it. When your mind was quickened. When he made it real. Yeah. 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 When he let Eldon see who he was. Yeah. But there's a lot of people. Just like the prodigal son when he came to himself. There's a lot of people that don't have that specific time and date. Oh, yeah. It'll happen just over a period of time. But Some of you can probably name exactly when it was. And others of us, I wish I could. I can't tell you for sure. I can give you an idea, but I'm not so sure it was then. But then some know exactly when it is. And that's a blessing. But even if you don't know, it doesn't matter. You're in there now. <laughs> and that's what counts. You're there. Before the foundation of the world. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> <laughs> happened way back there. And I like what you said about that because I was reading the commentary and it said the same thing. You know, it, the, the us is there and we can identify that's the body of Christ. 
but yet there's the specific you. And if you want to read this personal, and this is a personal letter to us. This is a personal love letter to each one of us, if you want to take a look at it this way, just as he chose me in the sense of this really happened. And he knew you, everything about you. And he wanted you. You say, why? Well, I know, that's the whole point. None of us is anywhere near being worthy. So really, it's we didn't accept him, he accepted us. <laughs> that's what we want. That's what we want to hear. By the way, if you keep reading there, Bill, yeah. Accepted in the beloved, right there in uh, verse 6. At the end of verse 6, at least uh, New King James, I think I'll read that way. To the praise of the glory of His grace, which by He made us accepted in the Beloved. But His action is being taken, however translation reads. But that's that's the right, I think, way to put it. Like the little drummer boy, we have nothing to bring. Empty hands. I can't even play a drum. Where is it in one of the Gospels where Jesus did not believe them or he did not accept them? You know, some of the followers who he was when, looking at their hearts. Or in John 2, there were many that believed in his, in his miracles, really. Yeah. But he knew what was in their hearts. Yeah. You know, was that it? Was that the one you're Something thinking of? In there, I just remember there's a reference in one of the Gospels. Jesus, it, 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 in John 10, says, You do not believe because you are not my sheep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that means no, they this, weren't chosen for the foundation, right? <laughs> yeah. No, this was more of a, uh, and Jesus did not believe in them, or he did not. Uh, how about this one? But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men yeah. and had no need that anyone should testify of man, for he knew what was I in man. That's, yeah. that's in John 2, right at the end, verse 20, uh, 24 and 25. Many believed in his name, it said there, when they saw the signs which he did, they were after the visible, you know, the the the, the miraculous signs and wonders. People believed in him because of that, but they didn't necessarily maybe believe that he was Lord in the well, sense of. Well, which one of the good works that I have done are you going to stone me? And he said. <laughs> They answered, for it's not for the good work we do, for a good work we do not stone you, but for blasphemy, because you being a man made yourself out to be God. But it wasn't what he did that got him all upset. It was his claim as to who he was. They didn't want that. They didn't want that. Well, the the only other viable option, which I would say the majority of the body of Christ today would say they would believe this verse and say they were chosen by God because He saw that they would believe. Now, I think that's where almost all of us came from that background. Most of our testimonies would would have been that, you know, in the sense that, yeah, He chose me. They, They can't disagree with this text. So they have to say, he chose me because of my choice. He saw that. So what is God doing? He's looking down through the corridor of time. Or because of my belief that I was chosen. I think I know what you mean there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You became chosen once you believed. Right. Okay. I, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's how they would take that. See, same, same thing. You know, yeah. Even with the with the with the doctrine of election, you know, because some people use the doctrine of election as an excuse to not evangelize. That if God is drawing them, then they'll, you know, then then they'll be drawn, whether I do anything or not, as far as evangelism. But and and that's the hard part about about dealing with the elect is that is that even though they're elect. Or they're, or they're not elect in, in, in evangelizing, we don't know when their eyes are going to be opened. Because take Eldon in 1964 as opposed to 1965. No, I'm saying in, in 64, okay. you know, in 64, you didn't, you didn't know yeah. yet. 
So, I mean, so we don't know everybody's story until the whole thing pans out, you know. Well, um, and the one side, yeah. the truth is God really doesn't need us to evangelize. The truth is to evangelize is a blessing for us. It's an opportunity. I mean, how do you shut up anyway? <laughs> how do you not share this gospel? I'm shutting up right now. <laughs> what you're saying is that God doesn't need us to do anything, but He gives us a chance to. Yeah, it's His means of of calling people into His kingdom. He has chosen that particular plan for us to take His word, His gospel to people who are elect but not saved yet, and, and to the ones who are lost and will never be saved. And the good example would it be Cornelius and Peter, where Cornelius saw some strange stuff and then yeah. Peter showed up and then Peter explained everything to him? Mm-hmm. Is that okay? Acts chapter so, I mean, 10. Yeah, so, you know, so God used Peter to get Cornelius, like, straightened out on what he had seen. And, and also what, you to know. explain some yeah. things to Peter, if I recall. Y- yeah. <laughs> so there you have Paul, Peter, look through the book of Acts, and yeah, they, yeah. they carry that out. And that's the way the church is. Jesus left that great commission to us. That's the means to the end. He doesn't have to do that, but that's the plan that he did. He saves us and then calls us to go out. In 65, Eldon would have got it anyway if whoever it was, talked to him about Christ hadn't done their job, right. Eldon would have got it anyway. Yeah. Somehow. That was the time, that was the place. Somebody would have God would have had just God would have just took him out in the backyard and opened his eyes. God would have done whatever God had to do. <laughs> Knock him off his donkey in the dirt. Yes. <laughs> How did you know he had a donkey? <laughs> yeah. We've got a good question back here. Faith comes by hearing. Hearing, hearing. hearing by the word of God, and shall they preach unless they are sent. There we go. Unless they are sent. Yep. He has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So we have a ministry. Every one of us here has that ministry to do. That's incredible See, to I take that, that great news. Ties back to the uh, the manifold knowledge and wisdom of the glory of God to the heavenlies. You know, in other words, if God glorifying Himself, showing the authorities in the heavenlies how He works through His elect hmm. you know, and His people here, it all wow. works together. You know, it's all for Him. God's not surprised. He yeah. knew that Elvin was going to get the message. Yeah, and I think prayer is the same way. He doesn't need us to pray, right. but he 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 commands that we do, and, and he it's uses a blessing that. for us. Yeah. That's one of the blessings. Yeah. The blessing is to evangelize. Yeah. The blessing is to have the opportunity yeah. to pray. Yeah. Well, who, what father wouldn't want his children to be close to him and talking to him and asking him? You know, he's our father. What would you say? The only reason for it is it's happening is because God chose it. It isn't for anything we did at all. Um, so those who have not, as it says, believed, if they have not been chosen by God, nothing is going to change in anyway. You first have to be chosen. It's not doing anything we do. That'll knock one down to where they have... Nothing, right? It just takes you down to the ground. That's what happened to, i got a feeling everybody would probably say that. The wind was just taken out of your sails when you first learned that. Either you were mad at it or you go, oh, it just started clicking. You know, I don't know. Everybody has different reactions. Usually most people are mad at first. Were most of you mad? I was kind of mad. <laughs> but then I got to thinking about it and I'm going, oh, yeah, I'm not... I'm not very good at anything anyway. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'm, I'll have to totally trust in him on this. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Just like 
I remember we talked about my cousin one time. I didn't know anything. He looked any different. I thought I looked just the same way I always did. And she got so mad at me. And like, she's like, you've changed. And I'm just sitting there. You know. Coming at me somehow. Yeah. 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 You know what uh, the argument that they will use um, somebody who is familiar with election and predestination but doesn't really believe it the way that we were reading it here what they're going to do with this and you might come up against it maybe you've already had maybe not uh, there are books written about it there's one book that's called um, Chosen in Christ that means it's not an individual election like what Eldon was saying there when it said us. What it is that in Christ, God has a, the body or the, the church. And so God chose Christ and there was an undefined number of people that were going to be in that who would choose to be in Christ by having faith. So that's called, that, there's a book called Chosen in the Son. S-O-N. And that's the way that people who have been informed about um, election, you say election and people cringe. They don't even like to use the word. They don't like to use predestination, although it's here in this text here. It's a whole but chapter. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Right. But it's an election of Christ and the church and the individuals, whoever they will be, if they choose God, then they'll get to be a part of that. It's like, it's like the Super Bowl. The national officials don't choose a specific team of players to go to the Super Bowl. Okay? They choose that the winners of the playoffs, of the national championships that are coming up next week, by the way, <laughs> whoever those teams are will go into the Super Bowl. They don't know yet, but whoever has, uh, you know, as far as they go, and those winners will be there then. So uh, it's like God doesn't choose who will be in Christ and who will be saved. It lies ultimately in the power of man's autonomous will, which God does not rule. So there's only two viable options. The election that we were biblically saying or the other one which says that man's will will either choose God or not. Uh, so you're chosen in Christ, or you're chosen in the Son, if you, and that's how they get around this, and that's how they'll use this text and say that's what it, it means. Well, that's <laughs> that's where you got to go back, and say, that's exa exactly, yeah, yeah, uh, but and that's you know how what they had to do with especially Wesley, he knew. About that text, and of course, he one of his friends was who, Whitfield, who was from the doctrines that we're teaching here, and Edwards. You know. But uh, he came up with prevenient grace. Even the people are dead; they all have a little bit of amount of grace to be able to do that. Only thing is, where do we get that in any scripture? Where it says that we are dead, we are enemies, we hate God. Uh, They'll say the word means, though, a select from a, a larger group. God chose us to come uh, in, in that way, you know. But uh, it was that, uh, what's the ultimate? He chose us. He chose particular to people to be His children and to be united with, with Christ. And uh, there's hot words here. And it uh, seems like it's a terrible contradiction. Uh, or a contraction, I guess, of the number that are going to be saved. It doesn't seem like there's going to be very many. But I want to tell you, there's going to be a lot there. Overwhelming. I think whenever God promised Abraham, He said, how many? How many stars are there? You know, He's, he's saying that there's going to be a, an innumerable amount. In Revelation 7, there's a multitude that no man can number. Um, uncountable masses of people are going to be believers. How that works out, I don't know. But um, 
you know, when you when you think about um, nice, lovable people, uh, they're not simply going to hell because they have the misfortune of not being among the elect. Here's how we have to look at at it from our view: Men are condemned to dishonor and wrath for their sins. And it's not that God is some evil uh, ogre or like, let's say a father condemned some of his children to absolute misery before they they were going to be born. Let's say a father does that. And then he gives uh, other children just a great happiness out of his own arbitrary will. Now, would that be right and just? No. It would not be right and just, would it? Wouldn't that be brutal? Wouldn't that be condemnable? But here's the thing, and what Sandy was talking about, people don't understand how fallen, how dark man is. Fallen men and women are not in the position of being innocent children. It's amazing that he would choose anyone, isn't it? He's not a tyrannical monster. Matter of fact, he is holy, holy, holy. And that means all the more to us. Um, when you consider a, uh, a display of mercy, to be unjust, if God was that kind of God, and that's what they'll say, well, if that's the kind of God you have, I don't want it because He is unjust. Well, think of a high security prison. You have Islamic terrorists in there. You have murders of innocent men and, and women. And you have drug barons and rapists and all sorts of con men, the worst kind you can think of, thieves and drunken joyriders who uh, ran into, uh, let's say, a car and killed four or five kids in there and then the mother. And, you know, you go on and on. You have 200 desperate criminals in this prison, and they're told one day that uh, the parole board is going to have a meeting. And uh, everybody needs to apply for one of you will be considered to come out of there and have freedom. So the parole board um, gets together, have their meeting, they examine all the cases, everybody applied, right? And they decide to give parole to 10 men. Now, is that unfair? You have 200 in there, why don't they just give parole to all of them? But they decide to give to 10. Should they have released all 200? I don't think anybody here would say, why are they even releasing any of them? <laughs> um, they all, you're going to have 190 there behind bars to serve out their sentences, but yet 10 of them are going to get out. Have their sentences, punishments honored the justice of the courts? Were the judgments that were passed upon them fair? Did their punishment fit their crime? We could say, yeah, to all those. They were enemies of the citizens of the state. They were lawbreakers and they were without a conscience and they were justly found guilty. And you can see that there it was, they were considered to be set free out of, like those ten, which, you know, humanly that shouldn't even happen, but they were all guilty. That's the whole point. We're all guilty. We're all depraved. And the Bible tells us that the whole world lies guilty before God. Now, I'll tell you what, let's grab this real quick and let's close it out. Let's let's get just a little bit of that word elect, just as he chose us, the word chose, eklego, it means to pick out, it means to choose. It's in the middle voice, it's the subject of the verb acts in his own interest. Who's the subject? God, God the Father. He does it in his own interest. You can say, boy, you're getting awful technical here. All you do is you put this back together. This is in the Greek structure. And if anybody would just read the Greek structure, if they have a differing view of what we have, you cannot change it around to mean something else. It's in an aorist tense. Middle voice indicating this, that God has a totally independent choice, free of anything. It's not going to be based upon what the objects do. It's a reflex of also as a verb, and it is showing that God not only chose by himself for his own reason, but it was for himself. Reflexive verb says he did it because he did it for himself. So it starts 
uh, with God in, in every sense. The purpose, as we see in Ephesians 1, is for what? His glory. That's, that's what Ephesians 1 here is all about. Um, this, this selection of the saints in, in this age of grace is the act of God choosing out from among mankind certain ones for Himself. These become His own to be used for a certain purpose. Now, next week we'll get into the three kinds of election. There's a theocratic, which is dealing with the nation of Israel. There's the vocational, which he chose certain ones to be an apostle, like Paul was to be an apostle. He was chosen before the foundation of the world. Jeremiah was a prophet chosen before that. But then there is individual salvation. And that is what that is appealing to here in our uh, text, our verse 4. Many verses that we can look at if you... I, I, one of my ones I've always liked so well. There's so many. I like Acts 13:48. Group of people sitting together. Gospels preached to them for the first time. The Gentiles are shown here that the light of the gospel has come to them. And then in verse 48 it says, "Now when the Gentiles heard this, this good news, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed." Don't you like that? When were they appointed? Before the foundation of the world. As many as had been appointed to eternal life, what happened? They believed right there. That's that's just a teaser. There's there's many more. I've got them there on your... Uh, if you want to study these out, right under salvation. That's just a few of the verses. That's, that's to show this is not some odd cultic type doctrine but it's the truth of the gospel and I don't back down from it whatsoever in any kind of crowd because I know this is what God is saying it's too much to debate and when they do debate somebody like a James White what happens to him Janice <laughs> it doesn't. They they use puny verses like, and it's not a puny verse, but it, it, it's a terrible text to use. John three sixteen. Always they will use that verse. We'll start with that one, which to to even use that in the context. Let's start with John three. Then, if that's where you want to be, and where it talks about the Holy Spirit who does that work, and He does it the way that He does. And will just like the wind, you know that, that comes out. So, you know, that's uh, I think it's um, an awesome doctrine, and you guys know that I I can uh, go on and on about it.